Let's get going here. This morning we are in uh, week four of our Advent series. Um, and the, the word Advent, for those maybe who didn't grow up in the tradition of an Advent um, time uh, before Christmas, uh, the word Advent means arrival. And the Advent season, uh, as we prepare for Christmas, is, is really a, a reminder of how Israel waited. They were waiting for the arrival of the promised one, the one promised all the way back in the beginning, Genesis 3.15. Um, they waited for his coming. For us, the Advent season culminates in Christmas and the birth of the promised one, Jesus. We have a lot to celebrate, and Christmas should be a great time of celebration. But at the same time, like Israel, uh, we too wait. Jesus has come, but we know that Jesus uh, hasn't finished the work that he begun. We, we know that after his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he did so with the promise that he was coming back. And when he comes back, he will finish uh, fully and finally everything that he started and establish his kingdom in all of its fullness. He will judge his enemies and our enemies, and he will bring God's people together and into his presence forevermore. So Israel was waiting for that. They thought that it would come uh, in the promised one's first coming, the first advent. We know that he will return. And so like Israel, we wait. We wait in a dark and broken world looking forward to the coming and the fulfillment of all of God's promises. At the birth of Jesus, that first advent, the angels said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Luke 2, verse 10. Great joy, great joy. That is our Advent theme this week, joy. And we are going to be in Psalm 30 this morning. Psalm 30, talking about joy. So here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to look at this psalm. We'll pray in just a minute. And then we'll look at this psalm and we'll see a glimpse of King David's life. Um, this psalm was written by him. It was a, a celebration of God's goodness in David's life, and it was a call for the congregation to praise God as well. Uh, the psalm was probably written by David and meant to be used as a celebration of the uh, temple's dedication. But I want to talk about uh, David's life and what we see in this psalm of his life, and, and I want us to see how his life and Israel's life, the nation, uh, parallel. And finally, to look at those parallels and the beautiful joy that should be ours, a joy far above the psalmist's joy that should be ours in Christmas. Now, this season is often filled with, with everything but joy. Uh, so I want us to talk about joy. I want us to pray before we do. And I, I hope, like this year, your life is filled with joy. Um, if it is, then praise God for that. Uh, if, like me, maybe there are times when you struggle with joy during this season, or, or maybe worse, maybe this season is a, a, a difficult reminder for you of, of what you don't have, of the brokenness in your own life, in your own family, uh, of things that just aren't. Um, if that's you, we want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. So I'm asking if you guys would join me in giving thanks to God for his goodness and praying for one another that our joy 
may be this season everything that it should be because of Christmas. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father, uh, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the beautiful songs that we sing together and the truth in every one of those. Uh, Father, this is a beautiful time of celebration for us, the coming of Jesus, the coming of our King, our Redeemer, the one you promised. But Father, we still live in this uh, broken and dark world, and that means that our lives are surrounded by and sometimes filled with all of that brokenness. So I pray, I pray this morning for those who um, may be saddened by this season, maybe find themselves in despair, not seeing everything that they have, but everything that they don't, everything that we don't. Father, I pray this morning that you would use this psalm and the, the truths that we see in it of, of even Christmas, that you would use that to, to give us joy, to help us to find, no matter what the circumstances are, great reason for joy. You are our good Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I want to start by reading Psalm 30. We should have the words on the screen. If you want to turn there in your Bible, you can, but uh, Psalm 30, uh, a psalm written by King David. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. So it may seem like the psalmist is all over praising and then sharing his, his despair and, and his darkness. So we'll start sort of where he did, from darkness to light, a king's psalm of celebration. That's really what this is. It is King David's psalm, one of his psalms of celebration. And he's sharing with us and with his readers then and the congregation um, who would have gathered at the temple's dedication um, a, a bit of his life story and a testimony of God's goodness to him. From darkness to light, a king's psalm of celebration. We start with David's darkness. Um, as the psalmist is looking back over his life, he remembers a time when, when he was very, very troubled in his life. The first verse is they are sort of prevented... Uh, prevented, presented in this positive. They are presented as a time, I will extol you, Lord. I will praise your name. I will worship you. All positive stuff. Um, but they very much reveal the troubles of the psalmist. 
what he describes in this psalm um, is a, a, a continuation of darkness in his life, of dismay, despair, mourning, sackcloth, all of those words. David was in a time of darkness. Um, what we see is that David was far from God. Verse 1 says that God drew him up. And the, the words that are used there, the picture, the image is of drawing water from a well. Uh, drawing water from a well that is far away. Um, David is saying that God had to draw him up and draw him near because David was at a time in his life when he was far from God. God was not near him. And, and God had to draw David near to himself. He was far from God. He was alone. Verse 2, the psalmist says, uh, you heard my cries. And, and the wording there is, is not really an image that is a, a, a cry once or twice, but a time in David's life when he was crying out to God over and over and over again, repeated cries. He, he, was, he was at a time of ongoing searching and seeking at some point for God. Who knows how long it was that he was in this dark place and crying out for God. So he's far from God. He felt like he was alone. He was sick and hurting. The second part of, of verse 2, um, he says there, Lord, you have healed me. Healthy people don't need to be healed, right? It's sick people. It's hurting people who need the Lord to intervene and, and to heal. So whether his ailment here was a physical ailment or something going on emotionally with him, uh, even spiritual, it could have been any and all of those. We don't know with certainty. What we do know is that he wasn't well, that he was sick, that he was hurting, that he was dark, and he was all alone. In fact, he felt like his circumstances were, were so bad that he was dying. This sickness or hurt or whatever it was that he was going through was so deep that he feared death. Sickness and depression can be overwhelming, and maybe that's what it was for the psalmist. He felt overwhelmed by his own circumstances, and, and he felt that he was headed to the grave and that he had no hope. The psalmist's days were very dark and heavy. But it's in this hurt and in this dying, in this time when David is looking back over his life and he's remembering how terrible that he felt, how alone that he felt, how dark his days were, how overwhelmed he was, and it's in that that he remembers God acting, God reaching out and giving David new life, God restoring David. Those first verses show us the psalmist remembering his troubles, but he doesn't only see the troubles, he also sees very clearly God's hand in his life. It was God who drew him up. That's the way that he remembers it. God drew him up and God drew him near to himself. God, God heard his cries in his darkness and his loneliness and God answered his cries. God healed him and God gave him new life. The work of God in his life then led the psalmist, as he's remembering that, to give praise to God. And in verses 4 and 5, he's not just sharing these, this testimony and this praise in his own life, but he's calling the whole congregation, because of God's goodness to him, he's calling the whole congregation to join him in praise. Verse 4, "...sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints." And give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, 
and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. This this psalm is telling us a story from David's life, and the way that David has written it, it it, it could be a little bit confusing. Um, The story is out of order, right? And the way that we should see this and understand it is that it starts at the end, like one of those flashback movies. You know, it starts at the end, and everything is happy and good, and then you go to what happened. That's the way this is set up. Really, the beginning of the psalm is, is the end of this episode, and the end of the psalm is the same. It's a reminder. It's filled with praise and worship. It's in the middle of the psalm that we find out how it was that the psalmist got there, how it was that the psalmist was moved into this darkness and then rescued by God from it. Verses 6 and 7 tell us that despair came as the king forgot his God. How did David get there? How did David end up in this dark, dark place? He forgot his God. Verse 6, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. Verse 7, by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. Verse 6, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. What we see in the psalmist is an admission of pride, arrogance, and independence from God. The Lord had blessed David. The the, the Lord, God, had provided everything that David needed and then some. He had made the earthly king's kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, a great kingdom. God prospered the kingdom. David prospered because of God's grace and his goodness. There was peace in David's life and peace in the kingdom by the grace and and the goodness of, of God. But in that prosperity and in that peace, the king became so comfortable, so comfortable with the safety of the kingdom, the the provision of the kingdom. He was so comfortable that he forgot how it was that he got so comfortable. In his lack of need, because everything was there, God had provided it. In his lack of need, David forgot God. That's what happened. It's so common that we would do that. That's often how it happens. It, it, it's like the, um, I'm sure you've heard of this, I don't even know if it's true, um, but the, the whole story of if you, if you put a frog in water and put it on the stove and you turn the water up, and I mean the heat up, and it heats up slowly and the frog never knows that he's in danger until it's too late, that's the way this works for us. Now, kids, don't try that at home. Terrible idea. But that's the way that it works for us. It's, it's, it's subtle. Our life, when, when, when things are going well and, and, and we have what we need and there's no threat or no danger in our life, slowly we drift away from God, forgetting that it was God who blessed us with everything that we have, that it was God who provided for all that we needed. He made us healthy. He made us prosperous. He, he is the one that has allowed us to, to pay our bills, to have food, to eat, to enjoy the life that we live. He has shown us favor in all of those things. And that's when we begin to drift away from God. Sometimes it's even worse than that. Sometimes we begin to take credit for all of that ourselves. Look what I have done. In this pride and forgetting, David had withdrawn 
from the Lord. It was David who withdrew from God, and now the Lord is responding to David by hiding his face. I think that what this means is that the Lord removed his hand uh, of grace from David's life. Uh, I think what it means is that God was saying to David, okay, David, you, you think that you've done all this. You think that you are the one who has secured all of this. If you think that you have done it all and you have no need of me, have at it. And the Lord just removed his hand from David's life. David, it's all yours. We don't know what happened, but what, whatever it was, whether it was this sin of pride that had come into his life, if it was this sin leading to another sin, we, we don't know the circumstances because the psalmist doesn't tell us, but what we do know is that, that, that the psalmist, without the face of God now in his life, was left dismayed, dismayed, shaken, alone, in darkness and despair. Now, I want to say something here, so hear me on this. David was still king. David was still king when all of this was going on. He was, he was, he was still the king. He was a man of great power. The kingdom still had plenty of wealth. David was not doing without in any way. He was a man of, of prominence. He was a man of power. And even with all of the riches that David still enjoyed and all of the people around him who bowed to him as the king, with all of that power, with all of those people, with everything that he had, David still despaired. And darkness overcame him. Here's what I want you to know. There's no substitute for the nearness of God. There is no substitute for the nearness of God, and that's what we see. The, the, the power, the place, the people, none of that brought his heart peace. None of that brought joy to his life like the presence of God. There is no amount of money or power or people that can, can fill that, that hole in our heart, the longing in our heart that exists when God is not near. That's what David was experiencing. Despair came as the king forgot his God and was separated from God. He separated himself from God and God lifted his hands from David. David then sees his sin. We see that in the psalm. David sees his sin. He, he is confessing in these verses his sin of pride. He's telling us about the process that, that he was in in his life. Like, this is how I came to this place of despair. I forgot God. Pride had filled my life, and I was taking credit for what God had done for me. So David, David sees his pride. He sees that it was, it was he who left God and not God leaving him. David's pride led to his downfall. But the good news here is that that was not the end. Delight would come from, for the king. Delight came as the king remembered and repented. Delight came for King David as he remembered and repented. R repentance means that King David turned. He turned from what he was believing, what he was misbelieving, what he was disbelieving uh, about who he was, about who God was. He was turning from that and turning back to something else. He was turning back to God. 
David turned from his pride, from his independence. He turned back to God. He, he, he turned back to the truth that God was God and David was not. He came again to remember and believe the truth. God was God and David was not. All of the blessings that God had given, they were from God. They were not by David's doing. They were by God's doing as a gracious gift. He, he turned to the truth that all that he had and all that the nation enjoyed, they enjoyed because God was good. Here he cried out for help. He saw his sin. I am not God, you are God. And he cries out for help. Verse 8, to you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and, and be merciful to me, O Lord, my helper. This is David's recognition. I am not God. We cry out to help when we come to the end of ourselves. And that's where David was. David was at the end of himself. He, he recognized that, that he could not save himself, that he could not fix that brokenness. And so he cries out to the only one who could, his great God, help me, O Lord, save me. Save me and be merciful. I, I, I see my fault, God. I see my error. Be merciful. Be my helper. With that, David is turning back to God. That's what repentance is. He's turning back to God, and as he does, something happens. Something happens, and, 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 and what happens is that the Lord's face is no longer hidden from him. The Lord's face is no longer hidden, and despair in David's life becomes delight. So, again, in this this story, right? The story is that David drifts from God and, and, and becomes prideful and think that, thinks that he has done this. He has no need of God. God says, fine, I'll take my hands off of you. I'll hide my face from you. This led to despair and, and suffering on David's part. And David recognizes it. And so he cries out to God, God, be my helper. God, save me. Now, if we go back to verse 1, we see what follows. Verse 1 comes as a part of, of David's praise after he repents and returns to God. I will extol you. I will praise you, O Lord, for you have drawn me. You have drawn me up, and you have not let my fo foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried out to help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. And I told you a minute ago, the ending is, is also a rejoicing and a praise because of what happened. Verse 11, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. That's true joy. The psalmist has, has found God again. The, the psalmist is enjoying the presence of God again. And, and here, as God has redeemed him and rescued him, the psalmist finds his joy again in the presence of God. His mourning is turned to dancing. A sackcloth of despair is turned to the clothing of gladness. This joy, the psalmist says, is a joy that cannot be silent. 
Like he's, he's writing this and he's, he's calling others to join him in praising God because he can't be silent about the goodness of God in rescuing him and redeeming him. I will give thanks to you forever. Where, where was that joy found? Was it found in being the king? What was, it, was it found in having all of the wealth and the power and being surrounded by people and in, in being served by others in, in reaching the top? I mean, he was the king of Israel. Was it in a, in a great home and having a lot of friends around and being popular? All of the things that we seek, right? Those are the places that we're seeking joy and it was, it was nowhere. It was nowhere in those things. It was only in the nearness of of God. How beautiful. And that is so true. David had all of those things and they brought him no joy because he had lost the presence of God. I think that this psalm is included in the scripture because it's more than David's life. It is David's life, and it is a call to praise. It is a testimony of David's life. But I think it's, it's bigger than David's life and David's story. This is also a, a glimpse of Israel's story. So from darkness to light, that too is Israel's celebration. Let me explain what I mean. The pattern that we see in David is the pattern that we see in the Old Testament again and again and again. If you read the Old Testament, I know sometimes you read the Old Testament, you're like, what in the world is going on? I'll t- this is what is going on. Like, like it happens again and again and again in the Old Testament. This pattern. Israel was chosen by God to, to be his people, to be a, a, a special nation. And, and in the Old Testament, he made a covenant with those people. And basically this covenant, David was a part of Israel, this nation, these people, a part of this covenant that God had made with them. Basically the covenant is, if you love and follow me, the Ten Commandments were a part of this. The Ten Commandments were, were God showing His people, all of the commandments of the Old Testament, God showing His people, this is, this is how you are meant to live. This is what it looks like to love and follow me, to love me and to love your neighbor as yourself. This is what it looks like. If you do this, if you love and follow me as, as we're talking about, if you love and follow me, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will pour out my blessings on you like no other nation on the earth. I will protect you. I will provide for you. I will care for you. You will be the envy of the rest of the world if you love and follow me. But if you don't, if you don't, God says, you will not be a great nation. You will not live in a land of peace and prosperity. You will not be envied by other nations. You will be ruled by them. There will be no peace. There will be no joy, only darkness and despair. Israel's history would be like this glimpse that we have of David's life. They would love and follow God. He, he would, just as he promised, bless them beyond measure. They would, they would be a great nation. They would be the envy uh, of the world around them. God would be their God. He would be their, their people, and he would dwell with them. He would dwell with them. God would be present with them. 
then David, just or just like David, they would they would become comfortable in all that God had given to them, and and they would stop seeking Him. In all that He had provided, in the goodness that He had given to them, the safety and the security and the peace, just like with David, they saw no need. They had no need of God. Everything that they needed was there. Worse, worse, like like David saying, "Look what I have done." They would say, "Look what our King has done. Look how great our earthly King is." They would forget where everything had come from. And in their pride and sin, forgetting God, they would drift from Him and God would hide His face from them. Without Him, they would drift into darkness. Their enemies would attack them. They would suffer. After some time, they would remember like David. And remembering, they would repent of their sin and turn away from their pride and independence and turn back to God. And turning back to God, just as God promised, God would save them again, redeem them. God would would shine His face on them and, and pour out His grace on them. Like David, their mourning would be turned to joy. He would be their God again and they would be His people and He would be near. And then it would happen again. And again and again, the cycle would continue. Does that story sound familiar to you? Because I don't think that psalm is is just a psalm about David, and I don't think it's just a psalm for Israel. I think God gave us that psalm because that is our story as well think it's a human story maybe it's just my story so what has this psalm got to do with advent right what what has psalm 30 got to do with christmas i'm glad you guys asked christmas is our cause for celebration. From darkness to light, Christmas is our celebration. Now, stick with me on this and and think with me. If we look again at our final verses, in verse 10, David is crying out, Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. In verse 11, he is rescued, and we read this, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. David and all of Israel really banked their hope on God's promises. God, God, God had promised that he would establish a forever kingdom. This was a promise that all of Israel knew. This was the promise that God had made to Abraham, the father of those people, that he would, um, though, though old, that Abraham would be the father of a great nation. Even though he had no children and he and his wife were old, that, that, that he would be the father of a great nation, that, that his people would have a great land, that they would be so many in number that they couldn't be counted, that they would be like the stars at night or the grains of sand on a seashore, too many to be counted. 
and God would bless them. God would pour out his blessing on them. He would be their God, and they would be his people, and they would be blessed above all the others uh, of the earth. These promises of land and seed and blessing that were made to Abraham about the great nation that would be and the kingdom that would be forever, those promises were passed on to David. King David. And in 2 Samuel 7, God told David that he would, God would secure the land, the descendants, and the blessings all through David's line. This was all coming. God promised him, this is coming through your descendants. A king will come in your line, David, who will rise up and he will rule forever. David clung to that promise. Even in his despair, God, who is faithful, had made a promise to David that someone from from his line would rule and, and rule this great nation and these great people forever and ever and ever. David held on to those promises. Israel, Israel clung to those promises, believing that God would establish this kingdom in the line of David. David could say then, I will give thanks to you forever. He could say that trusting a God who is faithful, trusting that God was with him and would faithfully fulfill every promise that he had ever made. The promises that he had made to Abraham, the promises that he had made to Moses, the promises that he had made to David himself. The psalmist could joyfully call on the the congregation of Israel to join him in praising God because God was faithful. He was believing those promises of God. And because he believed those promises of God, a kingdom is coming, a kingdom is coming. And David, someone from your line will rule this kingdom forever. David could say, weeping may tarry for a night, but joy will come in the morning. Because he believed. Now here's the thing. We're getting there. We're getting to Christmas. Those promises remain. Those promises from God, they remain. They have not been fully fulfilled. Those promises remain. And God, who was faithful then, who was faithful to rescue David, who was faithful to Abraham, the same God who was faithful then is our God and he is faithful now. God will establish a people too many to count. God will establish a people that that no one can put a number on. This this is the redemption that was promised in Genesis 3.15. This is God redeeming his people and calling his people to himself. This is God finishing what he started in the very beginning uh, pages and verses of Genesis when he said to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This was his plan, to fill the earth with his image bearers and he would walk with them and love them and care for them and they would be his people and he would be their God and he will fulfill that God will bring that about because he is faithful and he is able and the promise to David is still true the promise to David is still true there is a king and he will rule forever 
a king from the line of David, a king who will rule justly and mercifully, a king who will defeat all of God's enemies and the enemies of his people, a king who will bring redemption, forgiveness for the sins of God's people, a king who will bring peace, peace to his kingdom like we have never seen, a king who will gather all of God's people together, a king who will make beauty from the ashes of despair and suffering that is so much a part of our world and our lives, a king who will wipe out suffering, who will do away with sickness and even death, a king who will end poverty and murder and and racism and every wrong that has ever been done, a king who will wipe away our every tear, a king who will turn our mourning into dancing. A king who will loose our sackcloth and and clothe us in true gladness. This king, this is the seed of Abraham that was promised. This is the king of David's throne who will reign forever and ever. David and Abraham, they, they hoped, they didn't see it, they hoped because God is faithful this will happen. They hoped that one day he would come. And here, here, here we are, and and we know, we know, we know that what they hoped for has come. We know, New City, that He has come, the promised King, born in human flesh, a baby, born of the Virgin Mary, born on Christmas Day to save us from ourselves. This This psalm is a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of of David recognizing his sin, repenting, and, and God rescuing David. David had so much to be joyful of in being redeemed and rescued, and God's face once more shining on him. How much more do we have to be joyful of in Christmas? God saving us in Jesus God God drawing us near through His Son. God God hearing the cries of His people, healing us and giving us new life. Making us His forever. Sending even His Holy Spirit. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And, and yours and mine through Christ is not the promise that if we obey and do good, God will shine his face on us. No, ours is the promise that because Jesus did good, his face shines on us no matter what. This is the beauty of Christmas. This is the beauty of God's grace to us in Christ. Forever his. Because of Christmas. It is the the countdown to Christmas Day, a week away, and there will be lots of things that threaten your joy. Awkward and stressed family gatherings, or maybe no family to gather with. Unmet expectations, reminders of those you have lost, reminders of all the things that you don't have. Don't let those things define your Christmas. Don't let those things steal your joy. All of those are reminders of trouble and sin 
in our broken, fallen world. Look beyond them. Look look beyond them to the first Christmas when God heard the cries of his people and rescued them. Let all of the threats to your joy stand to remind you that Christmas is about the day that will ultimately fix all that is broken. Our King has come. Our King has come to draw us near to the Father, to bring us joy in Him, joy in His presence, joy today and tomorrow and forevermore because of Christmas. Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, your Savior, who is Christ, the Messiah, the Promised One, Jesus, your Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just another reminder. That joy is ours, not not in the things that we have. Joy is ours. Our longing is filled in your presence. Thank you for Jesus who makes that possible. Thank you for the good news of the gospel the great joy that can be ours. Father, remind us. Remind us again and again and again where that joy is found. I pray, I pray for those whose joy seems lost. Holy Spirit, that you would remind them, that you would remind me, that you would remind us of the beautiful gift of Christmas, the gift of your Son, a gift to draw us to yourself now and forevermore. Thank you for your love and your grace, your patience, your mercy. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.